0: second week of Advent. Christmas is getting closer and closer. We talked today, we focused today on on the Advent theme of peace. And we talked about exactly what is Advent. For some of us, Advent is a new expression. It's it's a new way to, to prepare ourselves for Christmas. And Advent simply means that we are expectantly waiting we are waiting for something that, that is new. We are waiting for something that will change our lives, that will even change the world. And it's with that kind of expectation that we wait, that we wait for Christmas morn, afresh and anew every year. I know the temptation is, is to get bogged down, is to get caught up in the, the hustle and bustle, the, the activity of this season. But let's not forget to take time wait and to meditate and reflect on these great themes of hope, of peace, of joy, of love, and the significance that that Christ, the light of the world, comes and shines into the darkness of our lives and of this world in which we live. As we reflect on the Scripture, I I wonder if you have a, a favorite miracle Is there a favorite miracle of Scripture that you reflect on? Or or maybe there's one that perplexes you or confounds you. And I would begin today with, with the simple question of what is the greatest, or what do you believe are the greatest miracles of, of the Bible? What, what are the most significant ones? What are the, the foundational miracles of Scripture? Because uh, oftentimes, as I've read through the Old Testament or, or even the New Testament, especially the Gospels, as, as we'd be in a study, they would say, Pastor, do you really believe that miracle? Do you really believe that happened? Do you really believe that God could, could intervene and, and act in the world and do something incredible like this? And I think that's a, a, a fair question. Do you believe in the miracles? Maybe we start from the beginning. The, the greatest miracle could be that God created, right? I mean, if, if we honestly and truly believe that there is a God in the universe, that actually created the world and the universe, then, then doesn't it seem to follow that the rest of the miracles of the Bible could take place? <laughs> Maybe we just go to the end of the Gospels. What do you believe about the miracle of, of the resurrection? Do you believe that Jesus actually conquered the grave? That that, that he was crucified and, and that he laid dead for two days, three days, excuse me, sorry. Three days. And then he rose again. And, and, and there's mystery in this resurrection body. And, and we acknowledge that, but but there was something about this body, though, that his disciples recognized and Jesus was able to be touched. The scars remained. Do you believe do you believe in the resurrection from the dead it, it seems to be if we believe in a, a creator God a God who's powerful enough to to create the heavens and the earth and we believe in a God that can raise his son from the dead that we can talk about the miracle of the virgin birth and so turn with me if you would to Isaiah chapter 7 as we we explore the power and the beauty and the significance of this miracle in the story of Jesus, in the story of redemption and of salvation. Isaiah 7. It's a prophecy that comes out again of the prophet Isaiah. It's at a, a critical time in the life of Israel. King Ahaz is, is fluctuating from his, his belief and following the the God of Israel and the gods and the powers of the other nations. And the Lord comes to him in verse 10. And the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it deep as Sheol or high as heaven. Ahaz, ask for a sign. I want to demonstrate. I want to to show you my power and my presence. I, I want to demonstrate that I'm on your side. That you can trust me. I am the God of creation and of, of my people. But Ahaz said, Well, I will not ask for it. I, I wouldn't want to test the Lord. And then he said, The Lord said, Listen now, O house of David. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men that you will try the patience of my God as well? Therefore, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign behold last year our our advent theme was was behold and whenever there was a behold in scripture it meant something significant and huge was about to happen here we go behold the lord says a virgin will be with child and bear a son and she will call his name emmanuel If you remember last week, we introduced this idea of of the signs of Scripture, and and we suggested that as we we see this word sign throughout Scripture, that that it directs and points us beyond itself. In other words, the purpose of signs in Scripture is not the sign itself. The purpose of the sign is to point and direct us beyond the sign to something greater. So we began last week... by by referring to the sign of Elijah, the sign that that Elijah would return before the Messiah would come. And whenever we would see that sign, we would know that the Messiah would soon arrive. And we discovered last year, as we entered into the, the New Testament pages, that it was John the Baptist who fulfilled the sign of Elijah. And in the coming of John the Baptist, we are known to prepare for and to wait for the coming of the Messiah, for the Messiah will be soon to follow. But also, as we look into the scriptures, we see that that signs, that signs also often refer to the miracles, the miracles of Christ in particular, miracles that, that don't serve to. to to draw the focus upon themselves, but rather miracles that illustrate the truth that Jesus is trying to convey. So, for example, the Gospel of John is filled with the signs of Jesus. Turning water into wine is a sign of the new covenant of Christ foregoing and and foreseeing, I don't know if that's a word or not, um, fulfilling the Old Testament. We see the sign of Jesus walking on the water. We see the sign of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And John tells us that the purpose of these signs in chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, is to point us to Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of God. And so as we see the miracle of these signs, then our mind should go, wow, this is Jesus. This is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. It is the virgin birth. The virgin birth that is this miraculous sign that reveals to us, that reveals to anyone who will listen and accept this sign that Jesus is Emmanuel, that Jesus is God with us. But let's be honest. Let's, Let's ask the question. Maybe we'll use the same words that Mary used. A virgin birth? How can this be? How can this be? How can this miracle be? First of all, we look at the, that passage in Isaiah 7.14. It's a passage that declares that, that a young woman, a, a virgin would declare, would, would have a child. Now, in that text and in the Hebrew, that word simply means a young woman. But Martin Luther offered a reward to anyone who could demonstrate and show in the Old Testament where this word was not used in which it would have been understood as a virgin. The word appears seven times in the Old Testament and it only denotes a young woman who is not married but is of marriageable age. It is never used in the Old Testament to represent or describe a young woman who has been married. And in the Old Testament, a young unmarried woman would of course be presumed to have been a virgin you see some have declared that that the virgin birth is unessential it's not necessary while others have simply derided and mocked and outright denied even the possibility of this miracle one theologian said this he said the miracle of the virgin birth of jesus has perplexed people And has actually kept them from coming to know the truth of Christianity. Ray Summers, a a Baptist theologian of the past, put it this way. He said, the virgin's birth's acceptance is a commitment of faith. It's a commitment of faith for us, for you and me. Just as it was for Mary herself. You see, where understanding stops, Summers continued, faith does not and must not stop again the virgin birth is taught in scripture in the new testament both matthew and luke agree that mary's pregnancy is not from joseph but rather is from the holy spirit in matthew's gospel in matthew chapter 1 verses 20 through 25 after relaying joseph's dream After Matthew tells us Joseph's dream in which the angel comes and tells him that Mary's child is conceived of the Holy Spirit, Matthew quotes this passage from Isaiah 7.14 and uses, translating the word from the Hebrew into the Greek, uses the word virgin to describe this young woman. And in verse 25, the Scripture declares that Mary remained a virgin until she gave birth to Jesus, in Luke's gospel, isn't it interesting that Luke is a doctor, a medical doctor? Now I understand that things have changed in two thousand years. Thank goodness, but I suspect that two thousand years ago they understood how children were conceived and, and born and brought into this world. Isn't it interesting that Doctor Luke begins his gospel? Now fo- follow the order here. He begins his gospel with his statements in verses one through one through four. He says, I have undertaken to compile an account of the things that have been handed down to us from the beginning from those who were eyewitnesses. I have invested everything carefully from the beginning so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. And then he goes immediately, the first thing he begins to talk about are Elizabeth's pregnancy and Mary's pregnancy. It seems to me that Dr. Luke, who has investigated and examined everything so that we can have trust in it and and receive it as truth, that he believed. He begins with these miracle bursts in his Gospel. In chapter 1, verse 27, again, Luke points out that Gabriel was sent to a virgin named Mary, engaged to a man named Joseph, and in verse 34, Luke records the response of Mary. How can this be? How can I become pregnant for I am a virgin? You see, I believe that the necessity of the virgin birth is found in its fulfilling Scripture and prophecy. That, that passage in Matthew chapter 1 be, or concludes saying, All this took place to fulfill what was spoken to the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. It must and had to be fulfilled in this way. The miraculous nature of signs in Scriptures and the behold of Isaiah in chapter 7, verse 14, I believe indicate that something miraculous, something new was about to happen. You see, miraculous births were common in the Old Testament. Think about it. Think about the numerous miraculous births in the Old Testament. Sarah, Hannah, And now even Elizabeth, found pregnant, will have sons. But do you notice the the key characteristic of these women? They were all older women. They were all barren women. They all became pregnant and had a son with their husband. Yet in Mary, we are offered a new sign. A new sign, a young woman. A young woman conceives and gives birth. Something greater is taking place in Mary and in the birth of Jesus than we've ever seen before in the history of mankind. It's a new covenant. The old will pass away. Behold, all things will become new. The Word, the Logos, will become flesh and dwell among us. Indeed, this miracle could not come from the seed of Adam, but rather must come from the seed of God. The angel describes this to Mary when, when the angel says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Beautiful, powerful, creative words used to describe by Luke to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. Also, when the birth of the church takes place. In Acts chapter 1, the Spirit of God will come upon you and the church will be birthed. I think of the creation story. I think that in the creation story, God spoke and out of nothing the universe was created. Again, if we believe in a Creator God and a God with resurrection power over death, surely we can believe that God could speak and conceive a child in the womb of a virgin. But as we mentioned earlier, the second Sunday of Advent is is about peace. It's about God's peace in our lives in the midst of so much turmoil and brokenness in our world. So turn with me if you would from to Luke chapter 1. To Luke chapter 1. I've alluded to this passage already today, and I want us to see that the peace of Mary The peace of Mary through this story extends from the grace of God. Begin reading in verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, this is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth pregnant with John the Baptist. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. This this term favored one means graced one. Greetings to you, to the one who who has been graced by God. The Lord is with you. You know what it dawned on me when I was, was preparing for today? Mary, the Lord is with you. What, what's the name of Emmanuel? What, what does that mean? It means God with you. God with us. Mary, you have been graced because God is with you. Not only is the Spirit of God with you, God, God is literally with you in Emmanuel and the child that will be conceived and born within you. And Mary was very perplexed at this statement. She kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Mary, you have been graced with God. The Spirit of God, the Lord is with you. And when we experience God's grace, when we experience the presence of God, guess what? There's no need to fear. There's no need to fear. Mary, God is with you now. And as I come to share my plans with you, you need to know that my presence will be with you from this day forward. For you are graced. For God is with you. And when God is with us, there's no need to fear. Our faith can be strong. Our courage can be strong. Our hope can be strong. Because God is with us. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You will call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. You know who was called Most High in those days? Caesar Augustus. He's the Son of the Most High. No, Jesus is the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I'm a virgin. In verse 29, Mary was perplexed and she kept pondering about the salutation. I bet she was really perplexed and wondering about what was going on. How can this be? But the angel... Again, don't don't be afraid, Mary. Mary. God is with you. And the angel said to her, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And even your relative Elizabeth has conceived a a son in her old age. There we go. That Old Testament paradigm. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month for Mary. Nothing. Nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold the bond slave, the servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to Your Word. I think what Mary was saying there, God, I, I don't know what all this means, but I trust You. I trust You to do what is good in and through me. And so Mary accepted by faith. She accepted by faith what she could not see, what she could not fully understand, and she made herself a virgin, available to the Lord to conceive the Christ. David Garland, again another Baptist theologian, writes this, Mary's virginity was not to exalt her, but rather to present an obstacle or the obstacle preventing her conception. An obstacle that can only be overcome by the miraculous, creative power of God. You see, Mary is not the point or the purpose of the Advent or the Christmas story. Rather, her obedience and faith are the sign that point us to Emmanuel and the possibility of God's creative, saving power in our own lives so my question for us today my question for you what new thing what creative thing does God desire to do in your life What, what, what does the grace of God his, his present for presence in your life what what does that afford the opportunity for you? what is it that God desires to create in you something that is so incredible that only God could get the credit that when people saw what God was doing they would say, oh wow I can't believe what God is doing in your life something, Again, that will point directly to God's presence and His power within you. Or maybe we should ask this question. What, what is the obstacle? What is the obstacle that is keeping you from experiencing the creative work and power of God in your life? For Mary, it was obviously it was, it was her virginity. But the power of God overcame that in a miraculous way. And and I believe God desires to work in our lives in a similar way as He calls us to bring glory to Emmanuel, to the Christ born in us. What's the obstacle of your life? Is it it fear? Is it change? Maybe there's an angerness or a bitterness or a resentment within you that presents... that, that, that keeps God from working in your life. Maybe there's just a selfishness that would say, God, I, I, I'm not going to give you all of me because there's so much that I want. Maybe, maybe the obstacle in your life is loneliness. Well, well God, if if I was obedient and faithful to you, that means that, that that I might not have any friends. I might not have any relationships. And God, I I, I don't want to be lonely. What is the obstacle in your life? Is it it unbelief? Listen to the good news of Christmas. The good news of Christmas is just that as God was present with Mary in Emmanuel, God is present with us through Emmanuel. And desires to birth and do new and creative and powerful things in and through us. Because the old has passed away and all things are new. By faith, by faith we must believe that God can overpower and overcome any of the obstacles in our lives. When we open ourselves to the creative power of God, then we experience His grace in deeper ways. The light of Christ shines more brightly into our world. You see, I believe that in that act of faith that Mary found peace, even in the midst of the trials and the challenges and struggles of her obedience. If we were to go back to that, that Isaiah chapter seven passage that, that proclaims that a child would be born, it's just a few verses later in Isaiah chapter nine verse six. That, that Isaiah continues to talk about this child. He says, a child will be born to us, a son will be given, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace with us. Paul picks up on this in this Beautiful and powerful passage in Philippians 4-7. I encourage you to to mark this and to memorize and meditate upon this. The peace of God, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did, Did you see that? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in and through the Prince of Peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds, for God is with you. Emmanuel. You see, the Prince of Peace goes with us and lives with us. It's been just over a year that I've experienced my, my, my journey with cancer, and you can be in prayer for me. I go in for my, my PET scans this week. And a year after, and we're praying and trusting that, that the cancer's gone and that, that I'll be able to have my port taken out and, and, uh, and, and resume life without that daily reminder of, of my cancer. But through that journey, I experienced a, a peace of God. And, and I want to share today about, about the peace that I've been more sensitive to around. We have, we have those in our church, in our family, that, that yes, continue to struggle with With cancer, but we have those in our in our church family that continue to struggle with with things like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Just old age. And as I've had a chance to to hear and to pray with and talk with these caregivers and to, to go into their homes, I most often see in their lives grace and peace. Not despair and fear well certainly we don't always understand why 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 God acts in this way Why some people have cancer and some don't Why some are cured and some aren't why some get Parkinson's and some don't and and Alzheimer's and some of these terrible diseases that we see in our world and we understand there's difficult questions and emotion that comes with that But oh, that we would realize and understand that God is present with us. And as we come alongside of each other, that we can be present with each other. And in that presence with God and with one another, there is peace. And there is no need to fear. And we can trust that even in the midst of the battle, that God is creating something new. Both now and forever. And in Emmanuel, in the truth that God is with us, He is protecting our hearts and our minds so that we can walk these days confidently in God's love and our love for each other. That we might find strength and courage and hope and peace and even joy in these days. And church, this is why Advent is so critical and so important for us. Because it calls us to practice to practice expectant waiting, and to trust that God is with us and that we can find peace as we surrender our lives to Him and the new things He is creating. So we practice for four Sundays. We practice for four Sundays so that we can live a life that calls us to expectant waiting. You see, the signs of Christmas are all around us. And there's no need to be afraid because God is with us and God desires to birth something new in each of us. Will you, will I, will we offer this same prayer that Mary offered? Lord, may it be done to me as Your Word has said. And in this prayer of faithfulness, In this prayer of surrender, I believe we will discover and experience the grace and the peace of God as the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You for this powerful, miraculous story of Mary becoming pregnant, becoming with child. And for this great work that You've done in and through her. For this sign that, that, that points and reveals to us that Jesus is indeed the Logos. The Word has become flesh and dwelt among us. God, there is, are so many reasons in our lives to, to not have peace. There are so many things going on. There's, there's hurt, there's illness, there's brokenness, there's death. There's conflict and war. There's tension. And yet the promise of Advent is that we might wait expectantly. Expectantly for peace. For the Prince of Peace to come. To be present with us. Father, may we have the courage of Mary as You come and as You share new things Powerful things that You want to create and do in and through us. May we have the courage and faith to say, May it be done to me, Lord, according to Your Word. If this is the prayer of your heart today, I encourage you to wait expectantly. For some, it it might mean coming and sharing and, and having others pray with You and walk with You during these days. But you be faithful as we sing.